Welcome to Grant and Hope's podcast, where we explore themes around the prophetic and the supernatural. As staff at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, we desire to equip the saints for the work of ministry in the power of God. Hey guys, we're looking at the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit, and specifically, I'm so excited for this time because we are looking at the gift of prophecy. And why I love the gift of prophecy, it's it's one of the first uh, gifts of the Spirit that really provoked me to go more after the Holy Spirit and to know Jesus in a more real, personal, intimate way. And the gift of prophecy is just one of those gifts of speech that say something. And so it's closely linked with words of knowledge and words of wisdom gifts. Prophecy is the gift of the Spirit that I have the most experience in practice and in most experience in study of in scriptures and in training and equipping others in how to prophesy. And Hope and I, we're called to focus on equipping the saints for the supernatural work of ministry. That means helping believers experience his presence and help them hear his voice more clearly. But before we begin with today, let's begin with a quick refresher from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the main text in the Bible where we find the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to the to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, when we're talking about these manifestation gifts of the Spirit, these are completely supernatural. These aren't something that's you're you're necessarily born with. Although I do believe that you can be born being more prone or more inclined to receive prophetic revelation from the Holy Spirit. But what I'm talking about here is not something you can find in your Myers-Briggs or your Enneagram personality profile. I'm talking about something. These gifts are imparted supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. They're not from this realm. They're not even in our own natural talents, but they're from his presence and his power. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the profit of others. That So that means that when the Holy Spirit pours out and gives uh, words of prophecy, therefore equipping the body, therefore upbuilding the body, for strengthening the body, for helping other believers and strengthening them in their faith and their love connection with God. So what is the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, I like to use say it this way, a simple way to describe the gift of prophecy is listening to God and sharing what you hear. That's it, really. It's just listening to God and sharing what you hear. Wayne Grudem says that prophecy in ordinary New Testament churches was simply a very human report of something that the Holy Spirit brought to someone's mind. When you boil all of it down, all prophecy really is, is listening quietly to God and then sharing what you're thinking. That's it. And that's just the simplicity of it. It's sharing what comes to mind as you quietly listen to God. And gifts of prophecy, the Greek word for prophecy means to speak for another. And prophecy is a divine, inspired, and anointed utterance from the Holy Spirit. It is a manifestation of God without using human knowledge. This gift may be had by all who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, 
when I teach on prophecy, Hope and I, we right now we currently teach uh, a monthly training program, a monthly training class uh, at our church on prophecy every month. And when we teach on this, I like to use the explanation of simple prophecy as this. Simple prophecy is limited to edification, exhortation, and comfort based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Simple prophecy is to enrich our spiritual life rather than give direction in the domestic areas of our life. So, what does edification, exhortation, and comfort mean? When you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul used these three words to describe what prophecy is. Well, edification simply means to build up. That means you're given words that build up people. So it speaks of spiritually building or edifying someone's spirit by confirming their destiny or God's purpose for their life. The most common way to edify a person through simple prophecy is to give a scripture that has been previously important to them. So what does exhortation mean? Exhortation means to call near. So it means you're giving people prophetic words includes calling people to persevere and to not give up on their promises to God in hard times and to not give up and give in to sin. You're calling people near to the heart of Jesus. And comfort. When we're talking about giving people prophetic words that bring comfort, what does that mean? It means to cheer up. These kind of prophetic words we're talking about, it speaks of making known God's perspective in a great disappointment or setback in a person's life. By giving God's perspective and telling them that God has a plan in their time of pressure, it, it, it it's words that cheer people up and cheer them into being strengthened into their love connection with Jesus in a greater way. When we teach on simple prophecy, we always include and for just to tell people common pitfalls to avoid when they're beginning. Uh, this is very important because we, we urge people to avoid giving others prophetic direction in the domestic areas of life. So what I'm talking about is issues related to who your spouse is going to be or bearing children or changing jobs or moving from city to city or country or et cetera, or buying or selling example, a house or home or leaving one church for another. Those are domestic areas of life. So we encourage our people, people on our team, people uh, in prophetic ministry situations that you, that, that there's no mates, no dates, no correction or direction. So no mates, dates, or babies. I.e., what I'm talking about is you're not going to give words suggesting that you're about to meet your romantic significant other or that you don't typically give predictive calendar dates. You know, by the end of May 31st, you will meet your spouse and buy a new home and or you'll be pregnant, etc., etc. So we, we really tell our people that there's no matching, hatching, or dispatching words, right? So we... We have our people who join our prophetic ministry teams follow these guidelines from day one. It's just no mates, dates, no correction, no direction. If you can prophesy out of those general rules and guidelines, you can find prophecy to be very helpful for upbuilding the body. So no mates, that means you don't tell somebody who they're going to marry. No dates, that means you don't predict the date for anything ever on a calendar. You know, there's no correction that's a pastoral responsibility of people who love them 
and care for them like they're mentors so you don't prophesy correction over somebody that you're just going to see for five minutes and never see them again. And you don't give words with direction. You don't tell someone how to live, where to move, or what to do with their life. If you take away all those things, all those pitfalls, the prophetic, then what you have is really uh, simple prophecy is hope for people and encouragement. Prophecy should only be spirit-filled encouragement. It's important to note that we may give godly counsel to one another in domestic areas without presenting it as a prophecy. Like you can, you can give godly counsel to people that you know without without saying "Thus saith the Lord" or or making it a prophetic. You can just give godly counsel. And personal prophecies generally should be given with others as witnesses. And that's what we request, that prophecies be recorded when possible. And on the subject of prophecy, you know, some people have an over-reliance on dreams for direction in their domestic lives. You know, God never intended to direct people mostly by dreams. Yes, we know that God does use dreams to give some direction. However, dreams are not to be a substitute for gaining wisdom from Scripture. And we found that some people rely on dreams for decisions because it absolves them from responsibility and lack in wisdom if the decision turns out to be wrong. But uh, yeah, let me just share, uh, how did I get involved with prophecy, right? What's some What's this, some of my story? Well, I was a freshman at Michigan State University. Uh, basically, I grew up in a small town, went to East Lansing, Michigan. I'm a freshman at Michigan State. The first people that I meet in my dorm, like my RA and my mentor on the floor in the dorm, were spirit-filled Christians. Uh, I started hanging out with them. I got involved with some some believers that were really going after God and going after Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I was really provoked. And one of the first couple home like apartment meetings that I went to uh, involved some uh, activity. Activity of the Holy Spirit was present. Uh, one of these uh, apartment meetings, there was probably like 20 people or so in a circle, and we spent some time in worship. And then there was uh, an African-American man who was very prophetic in the in the meeting, and uh, he was the one who was leading worship. And he just started uh, calling people out in a kind of like a random popcorn style, just kind of picking random people and then prophesying over them. And I was one of the people that he prophesied over. And one of the things he said to me, was uh you have a heart after god like david and there's a worship there's a a musician worship anointing on you there's a gifting in you for for music uh you're called to travel to the nations you know he said you're called to even to full-time ministry someday and uh he said the last thing he said is that god really likes you God doesn't just love you, he really likes you. And those three or four things really impacted me. I remember just in the moment feeling so teary-eyed and just one, I was amazed that God speaks today. I was like, "What? God is speaking to these guys? These guys can hear God?" I'm like, "I want to hear God. I want to I want to hear what you saying to me more clearly." And the other the second part is like the words really resonated with me. You know, at the time I was very clean cut like I in high school I had longer hair and you could probably guess that I was a musician but at that time you know I had really clean cut short hair I just wore you know just your normal casual nice clothes I wasn't wearing like 
musician band clothes or band shirts or anything like that. But the guy called out. It, it, it was a secret of my heart that I was a musician for the last seven years. And uh, he called out that the Lord had given me the, some of those giftings. And so that impacted me. I was like, there's no way this guy could have known that. The other thing is just saying that God really doesn't just love you, but he likes you. He enjoys you. He really likes you. And that a dream to travel, you know, a perfect word to travel and then be in full-time ministry. So that was my first exposure. And ever since then, I've been just going after the heart of God and wanting to grow in prophecy. Shortly after that time, literally like probably two weeks later, my friends from my dorm room, we took a weekend trip to IHOP in Kansas City. And I got, you know, I got to visit the prayer room at the Global Prayer Room, you know, the Red Bridge Center. I went to a Friday night EGS service. I went to my own, uh, my first uh, prophecy appointment in the prophecy rooms and got prophetic words on cassette tapes. And it just, the whole weekend was just an incredible experience. And But I remember my, my prof, the first several weeks and months of my becoming filled with the Spirit and going after God in a new way of encountering the prophetic dramatically shifted my life, dramatically impacted me, propelled me in my future to go after God. But let's go on with the gift of prophecy, uh, defining what is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a divine disclosure on behalf of the Spirit, an edifying revelation of the Spirit for the moment, a sudden insight of the Spirit, prompting exhortation, edification, or comfort. The gift of prophecy is inspiration to edify, exhort, and comfort people. Prophecy is divinely inspired and anointed utterance, supernatural proclamation in a known language. Prophecy is a manifestation of the Spirit of God, not of the intellect. Prophecy may be possessed and operated by all who have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Intellect, faith, and will are operative in this gift, but its exercise is not intellectually based. It is calling forth words from the Spirit of God. You know, I love how the prophetic minister, Sean Bowles, how he defines prophecy. He says, Prophecy is a word about the future that shows the plans that God has for someone or a group, a region, or a business. With prophecy, people's affections lie in the fact that God knows them and has plans for them. Knowing God's plans and future for their lives gives people the opportunity to partner with him to actually see those plans fulfilled. Simply put, prophecy is a love-based gift from the heart of God that pertains to the future context of a person, place, or thing. When you think about prophecy, think future context. I like how Brian Simmons talks about the gift of prophecy. He says, This gift is a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God in proclamation and at times in predicting the future. This is one gift that every believer should desire and never despise. See 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 through 20, and 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 and chapter 4 verse 14. It's important to note that the gifts of prophecy, tons, and interpretation of tons are loosely grouped together because they all involve speech. So whether in a human language or in a language known to God alone, 
a spirit-inspired hymn composed during a time of worship, an anointed teaching or revelation, a deeper insight into God and his plan also belong in, in this category of what we generally call the prophetic and prophetic gifts. Prophecy is speaking a message inspired by the Holy Spirit, especially for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation of others. Paul regard, regards prophecy as exceptionally important because of its power to build up the church. It is the only gift that appears every time he lists the, the gifts. A prophetic word can build up by arousing people's faith, deepening their understanding, stirring them to worship, or piercing their hearts with conviction of sin. See 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24 through 25. It is striking how often Paul exhorts Christians to strive for this gift. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 and 5. Earnestly desire to prophesy. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Prophecy is distinct from teaching, and that teaching usually involves a prepared and organized presentation, but prophecy is a spontaneous message directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because it is from God, prophecy has the power actually to bring about which it proclaims. Whether that's conviction or counsel or consolation or comfort, prophecy releases God's revelation into the present context. And prophecy comes in many different forms. You know, it can, A prophetic word can be specific guidance from the Holy Spirit. So let's go over some more scriptural examples of the gift of prophecy and different forms that may manifest in the life of a believer. For instance, let's look at Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. It was a prophecy that launched Paul and Barnabas on their first evangel even sorry evangelistic mission. It may be found prophecy in the form of dreams or visions. Ananias, Paul, Cornelius, and Peter all had visions. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, had no less than four prophetic dreams that gave him specific instructions. That's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, and Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, verse 19, and verse 22. The Magi also had a prophetic dream in Matthew 2, verse 12. Prophecy may include the reading of hearts. What I mean by that is that God revealing the secrets of a person's heart, usually to con convince the person that God is real and that he knows them and loves them. It's important to note that God will not reveal the secrets of a person's heart to anyone who will misuse this information. Prophecy can include recognizing what is visible to the eye. Anna the prophetess and, and Simeon recognized the infant Jesus who must have looked like an ordinary baby being brought into the temple by his parents, but they saw, they recognized through with prophecy, the prophetic gifts that he was actually the Messiah in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 38. You know, a prophecy sometimes foretells the future, such as Agabus's word, that there would be a famine and that Paul would be arrested and handed over to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 11, verse 28, and Acts chapter 21, verse 10. More often, prophecy is not a prediction, but it's a now word from God, speaking God's revelation into the present situation in a way that encourages, instructs, and strengthens those who hear it. You know, you look throughout the book of Acts, it is evident that prophecy was part of the normal life of the church. Ever since the end of the apostolic age, prophecy does not give 
any new revelation to add to what God has already revealed in Christ. As for instance, you know, Mormons, they believe happened with the prophecies of Joseph Smith supposedly received like that. We don't believe that prophecy can be revealed and replace scripture in any way. Rather, prophecy, it makes God's unchanging revelation in Christ come alive for the present generation. Prophets have the ability to make God's people come alive spiritually, to put skin and flesh on dry bones and fill dead bodies with life-given breath of the Spirit, like in Ezekiel 37. One of the things I like when you look at church history is how prominent prophecy and visions, how much they've been existent throughout the last 2,000 years of church history. It's interesting, if you look in the early centuries, prophets continued to play a vital role in the church as they had in the time of the apostles. The prophets included men and women, young and old, lay people and ordained. Irenaeus speaks of a widespread use of prophecy in his time. This is what he said. We hear many of the brethren in the church possessing prophetic gifts and speaking all kinds of languages through the Spirit and bringing the secrets of men to light for their good and expounding the mysteries of God. He also mentions false prophets, but strongly warns church leaders not to make the fact that there is a false prophecy a, con a pretext for rejecting the true gift of prophecy. Justin Martyr also mentions that both true and false prophets were active in the church in his time. In the 3rd century, in North Africa, Cyprian reports that even young boys had supernatural visions and that church leaders paid close attention recognizing that the Lord was warning and instructing them through these visions. Synodes of bishops even heeded such prophetic messages when choosing people for church offices. For instance, a man named Clernius was appointed to the clergy because of prophetic revelation. Although Clernius hesitated to accept the honor, he himself was then persuaded by a vision in the night. Tertullian describes a woman in his church who was highly regarded because of her exceptional gifts. This is what Tertullian said. We have now among us a sister who has been favored with various gifts of revelation, which she experiences in the spirit by ecstatic vision during the sacred rites of the Lord's day in the church. She converses with angels, and sometimes even with the Lord. She sees and hears mysterious communications. Some men's hearts she understands, and to them who are in need she distributes remedies. After the church service, this woman would regularly convey her revelations to the clergy, who would then examine them with very special care to discern whether they were in accord with the truth of the word in scriptures. So, there's a, it's just interesting. You can take a look at uh, church history. You'll see how prophecy played a huge part throughout the last 2,000 years. But let's look deeper at the importance of the gift of prophecy uh, just from some biblical kind of commentary of what is the value of prophecy. Paul makes a distinction of, between tons and prophecy. Tons is spoken to God, but prophecy is spoken to people. He insists that the reason prophecy is so valuable is that the message is understandable to those who hear it. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In verse 9-11, through 11, Paul further elaborates on this principle. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the, for and the speaker a foreigner to me. This principle means that we must prophesy in such a way that the message makes sense. 
Prophecy is communicating a revelation from God, and revelation means the making known of what was hidden. If a prophecy is given in such a way that it cannot be understood, then it stands that it cannot edify, encourage, or comfort those to whom it is given. A practical application is that when given a prophecy to someone who has little biblical knowledge, we need to avoid using Christianese and instead use plain language that the person can understand. This is especially important with prophetic evangelism is using language that people can understand because Paul emphasizes the evangelistic power of prophecy, especially in the form of reading hearts. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24 through 25, if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so fallen on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Many unbelievers have come to Christ through Christians speaking prophetically to them. In these situations, prophecy often overlaps with words of knowledge. When we prophesy, it's important to do so with love and respect. You know, prophecy should always be given with that attitude of love and respect for those to whom it is addressed. In the case of a prophetic word to an individual, the word should be said in a tentative way rather than a dominating way. What I mean by this is you can rather begin with, I think the Lord is saying this, and end with, does that make sense to you? Rather than say, thus saith the Lord, he is pleased with you. You know, the Lord is saying to me, like it's, yeah, you don't have to say it in a dominated way. Just say, hey, I think the Lord is saying this, and then end with, does this make sense to you? It's important to keep that in mind that a prophecy involves not only a revelation for God, but it also uh, involves its proper interpretation and application. It is possible to get the revelation right, but to interpret or apply the word wrongly. A personal word that involves correction should be normally given to someone you already have a relationship with. This is what I mentioned earlier. So like, you know, personal close friends or, or those that you're over in, in, a, in a discipleship type of way. It's a person who trusts you enough to receive the word. When real prophets give a word of correction, the result is that the person is edified, not condemned. If you think you have received a word of correction for someone, it is good to pray, Lord, you wouldn't show me that unless you wanted to help this person or set this person free. What do you want me to do with this word so that it can build this person up? Oftentimes, more than anything, the Lord was just showing you secrets so, so that you can pray for that person. So I would rule that as that's probably one of the main things if you receive revelation like that. You know, some people, when we're talking about this right away, they ask, can everyone prophesy? Well, in his uh, Pentecost sermon, Peter explained to the crowd what God had just done in pouring out his Holy Spirit. His message was, in essence, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the crowning moment of Jesus' whole mission. It is what he died and rose to give us. It is what the patriarchs prayed for, what the prophets prophesied, and what the psalmist sang about. It is the fulfillment of God's promises. Significantly, Peter began his sermon by quoting that Old Testament passage about prophecy. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is important because Paul reaffirms the fact that prophecy is a gift available to all believers for you 
can all prophesy one by one so that you may learn and all be encouraged in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31. Again, this does not mean that all believers actually do prophesy since many are not aware of this gift and do not know how to activate or grow in it. But we're just saying that you know, the Holy Spirit makes the church into a community of prophets. So there's a, a grace to a capacity to prophesy, speaking on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that is available and we can grow in the gift of prophecy. You know, we can learn how to use the gift of prophecy and it, it is a growth process as is true with all the other gifts, but the more you practice, the more you'll grow. So like if you think about like a one-year-old baby, if we're constantly worried about using bad grammar or saying the wrong thing, that baby would never really learn how to talk, right? However, when someone tries to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, we will make mistake. We will make mistakes, but mistakes can be the occasion for further growth. A key to this process is to be humble and to not take yourself too seriously. That's one of my first problems, like the first probably two, three, four, five years of uh, of knowing about the gifts and pursuing the gifts is like I took myself way too seriously and to put so much performance pressure on me that I actually it actually hindered my ability to step out and just try it. A good way to begin growing in the gift of prophecy is to listen to the Lord's voice for your own life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice in John 10 verse 27. Hold what you think the Lord is saying to you in your heart Write it down in a journal. That's a simple way to record it. And then go back to read it from time to time. As we steward the prophetic words that God has already given us, either as individuals or to a whole community, when we reflect on them, pray about them, and take steps in accordance with them, He is able to take us further along in our journey and growing in the prophetic. Another way to open yourself up to prophecy is to be immersed in the Word of God. Literally, eat the scroll. Be immersed in the Bible. Be immersed in the scriptures. Set your mind on it. Be renewed in it through the word. Read each of the biblical prophets. All the other biblical prophets, they read and studied earlier prophets. Jeremiah, for instance, was familiar with the words of Isaiah. Ezekiel, in turn, studied Jeremiah. If a prophet assimilated the revelation God has already given you, God could use him to bring further revelation. So, eat the scroll. You know, prophecy is inspired speech. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke the word of God to their generation, sometimes predicting the future, which is indeed sometimes a mark of a true prophet, but more oftentimes would speak into the needs of the present. This too is the function of the prophets of the New Testament. They were engaged in foretelling the present rather than foretelling the future. And, you know, we're talking about prophecy you know, Grudem, I mentioned earlier, he thinks that Paul defines prophecy rather broadly and that a function could include any kind of speech activity that would be helpful to the hearers. In the end, defining the nature of prophecy in tons is not Paul's primary task. Rather, his concern is for the edification of the church, which is the purpose of all the gifts. So as long as prophecy is for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of the saints, that's what it's really all about. Prophecy, as used by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, refers generally to the speech that reports something that God spontaneous, spontaneously brings to mind or reveals to the speaker, but which is spoken in merely human words, not the words of God. Therefore, 
Remember, there can be mistakes, so prophecies must be tested and evaluated. Uh, let's go into a time of, I want to share a little bit from Sam Storms. He's got some awesome commentary on the spiritual gift of prophecy, so let's get into that for a little bit. This is what Sam Storm says. The most, one of the most uh, controversial issues the last 30 years or so is the spiritual gift of prophecy. So what is the spiritual gift of prophecy? When I use the word prophecy, I'm not referring primarily to the prediction of future events. A simple definition would be that prophecy is the human, human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is the speaking forth in merely human words, something God has spontaneously brought to mind. So where does prophecy come from? All prophecy is based on revelation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14.30, Paul writes, If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Literally, if to another who is sitting, it is revealed. In 13.2, Paul seems to suggest that the basis on which prophecies are made is the reception of divine mysteries. The verb to reveal occurs 26 times in the New Testament and the noun revelation occurs 18 times. In every instance, the reference is to divine activity, never to human communication. Unfortunately, whenever one uses the word revelation or the verb to reveal, some people start getting nervous, right? Whenever they hear that the word they think of the Bible, anything God reveals must be included in scripture or so they think. But clearly, they fail to recognize different ways or senses in which God might reveal something to us. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 15, he tells the church that if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And in Ephesians 1, verse 17, Paul prays that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be granted to believers. We see two other similar uses of the verb or noun of revelation or reveal in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, and Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The point is simply that not all revelatory activity of God comes to us as scripture, quality, divinely authoritative, or canonical truth. Prophecy, therefore, is not based on a hunch, uh, inference, and educated guess, or even on sanctified wisdom. Prophecy is not based on personal insight, intuition, or illumination. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. This is what distinguishes prophecy from teaching. Teaching is always based on a text of scripture. Prophecy is always based on a spontaneous revelation. Thus, contrary to what some have suggested, the gift of prophecy is not the equivalent of preaching. Preaching and teaching is grounded in an inspired text. Prophecy is the fruit of a spontaneous revelation. If prophecy and teaching slash preaching were one and the same, there would be no reason for Paul to differentiate between the two in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. People may learn from prophecy no less than from preaching, but the fact that the results of each may be identical does not mean that the roots are. So what kind of information does God reveal in prophecy? Or again, what is the content of the sort of revelation that results in prophecy? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 25, Paul speaks of God disclosing the secrets of the heart. On numerous occasions, I've witnessed this phenomenon. Men and women who believed their thoughts, their fantasies, their sins, and their plans for the future were secretly hidden, even from God, are shocked by the revelatory activity of the Spirit. Paul describes only one 
of any number of reasons to the prophetic gift, fallen on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. But if there is any number of other things God might choose to reveal through this gift, it may be a warning, such as in Acts chapter 21, verse 4, and and a scripture passage that applies especially at this moment to a in time to a person's life. So God might give a scripture passage that was very important to that person in that exact moment of time. It may be a word of exhortation. It may be an invitation to some ministry opportunity or guidance for decision-making, like in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It may be a revelation of some illness of which God intends to heal you. It may even be a prophetic word that concerns some spiritual gift that God intends to impart to a person. That's what happened you know, evidently in the case of Timothy, Paul's spiritual son in 1 Timothy chapter 4. What is the purpose of prophetic utterances? Paul says prophecy builds up, encourages, and counsels. When people are suddenly confronted with the inescapable reality that God truly knows their hearts and has heard their prayers and that he is intimately acquainted with all their ways, they are encouraged to press on and to persevere. I've often spoken with believers who, in spite of what they knew theologically to be true, they felt as if God had forgotten them. Their prayers seemed never to be heard, much less answered. Then, quite often without warning, they receive a prophetic word from a total stranger that could be known only by God himself, and their faith is bolstered and their spirit counseled. Do you need edification, encouragement, and consolation? Well, who doesn't? (laughs) That's what prophecy was designed by God to accomplish. No wonder Paul commands us to earnestly desire that we might prophesy, not to dazzle people, not for sensationalism, not to draw attention to ourselves, and certainly not merely or even primarily to lay the foundation of the early church. But this is to display the love of God for his people, to confirm his presence and power in our lives, and to show his providential care. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I imagine quite a few of you are debating whether or not to make the pursuit of the spiritual gift of prophecy a priority in your life. And I'm here to tell you today that you don't have a choice. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts is a command from the Apostle Paul, (laughs) especially that you may prophesy. Paul didn't simply say that we ought to think about desiring to prophesy or that we should put it on our list of possible issues to discuss, he commanded us to earnestly desire to prophesy. In other words, this is an exhortation, an imperative, a command, not merely a statement of fact. Paul says earnestly desire the higher gifts. When translated, this means since you are eager for the higher gifts, it's this is a statement of they take, In other words, they take it to be a statement of fact concerning the state of affairs, not an exhortation to future action. The Corinthians were not, in fact, seeking the greater higher gifts. That was precisely their problem. They were placing far more emphasis on tons and making it a mark of spirituality. But the whole chapter 14 is Paul's attempt to encourage them to seek prophecy rather than uninterpreted tons precisely because it is the greater gift insofar as it edifies other people. So earnestly desire means to have strong affection for, to ardently yearn for, to zealously long for, or in modern lingo, I want you to want it really bad. So do you? This is not an option. This is not an issue of personality, as if some are more inclined than others to experience this kind of spiritual phenomenon. This is not an issue of, it's for that church, but not for this one. 
after all, we've got our mission statement. They've got theirs. It's If that's what God is calling them to pursue, fine, but we have a different divine mandate. No, you cannot respond to Paul's words in this in that passage by saying, thanks God, but no thanks. I appreciate the opportunity you've offered me, but it's really just not my thing. You know what I mean? No, God through Paul says, yes, I know what you mean, and I'm telling you to make it your thing. Or would you prefer to sin by disobeying a direct order? <laughs> All churches, no matter how different they may be, have an identical mandate when it comes to obeying scripture. No one is exempt or special or unique in such a way that they can justify disobedience to God's word. This is the divine command, a mandate from God himself. If you and I are not earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially prophesy, we are disobedient. This is not an issue for prayer. You don't respond to this passage by saying, well, okay, I'll pray about it. No, you don't pray about whether or not you're going to obey God. God has not given us a choice. He's given us a command. The only choice you have is whether or not you're going to obey. Can you imagine if we <laughs> responded to other commands in Scripture, like how others respond to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1? You know, I don't really feel like fleeing for fornication or I, immorality. You know, I think that's meant for other Christians, but I don't sense that's my calling. Or... Yeah, the prohibition against adultery, that just isn't combat compatible with me, with where I am in God right now. Or, you know, being a generous giver to the needy is a wonderful calling for some churches, but we're just not into that sort of thing at this stage of our growth as a church. <laughs> you know how ridiculous that sounds? Therefore, it is not enough just to be open to spiritual gifts and their operation in the local church. One must be zealous for them and earnestly desire their presence, especially the gift of prophecy. So having said this, I confess, let's pursue prophecy with all of our hearts, with all of our passion. That is what it is to be obedient in. That's being obedient to God's command. Well, I want to just take some time just to share Let's continue to go after prophecy. You know, whether you're, you prophesy here and there, you dabble with it, I want to encourage you that according to many passages, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, look at all the times that Paul commands uh, that we earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. Let's go after it together. Let's go after prophecy. Uh, prophesying on a continual basis I, I want to encourage you if you have friends in your local church or maybe there's a prophecy team that you can join to join the team you know i i've been hoping i we lead uh one of the teams here at, at ihop kc and it's just been a phenomenal experience just week by week coming together with a group of people and just prophesying even uh in the summer months here at at ihop kc we have lines up to even we had like 80 people one week but most weeks are they're about you know 35 to 45 people but each week we get different missionaries come through from all around the world we get pastors from around different states that are coming to visit over the weekend we got saints from around the city that are coming to visit man 35 40 people a week they get to have their lives impacted and changed forever just by a by a simple 
15-minute personal prophecy appointment, I can just look back on my own life and just see how much prophecy has encouraged me and strengthened me in my love connection with Jesus and feeling more connected, not just knowing theologically that God loves me and he has to love me, but really prophecy being infused in my my connection with God where I actually feel that he enjoys me and that he likes me and that he's seeing me in the moment and secrets of my heart are revealed. So I feel known, loved, and connected to the heart of God uh, in a real way. So take time to ask the Lord for words. Prophesy over your friends. Prophesy over your family. Prophesy over those that are in your sphere of influence. Prophesy over people in your ministry lines at church or even in the you know, before and after church or on your way in the grocery store. Just look for people to prophesy. There's so many opportunities to step out in this gift. Um, Let me just end this time in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift of prophecy. And Lord, I ask that you would reveal your ways to us in a greater measure. I ask that you would continue to teach us, lead us, train us in the gift of prophecy holy spirit that you would let us know let us into the secrets of your heart god i ask that you would make known the goodness of your heart for people around us and in our lives and those we come in contact with lord would you make known the secrets of their heart that you would make them feel known loved and deeply connected to you through these words of prophecy i ask for a greater measure of the gift of prophecy right now for everyone that is listening lord Give us grace. Give us courage to seek after prophecy with all of our hearts, with full passion, as we seek to grow in our love connection with you, Jesus. So I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please give us a rating on iTunes and feel free to share with a friend. Our ministry is made possible through our financial partner team. If you feel stirred to give, you can do so by using the link in our bio.